0: First COP and that global carbon budget, which is the basis of the crisis negotiations. We have our own tracker in Canberra with CSIRO, but there's also one in Europe where the research director is Dr. Pierre Friedlingstein, based in France and England.
1: So we assess the sources and sink of CO2 every year. We do this over the summer. It's a crucial time now when we are putting all the pieces together and we present the budget at COP so what we do is we get the estimate on fossil fuel emissions from all the countries, land use change and impact on CO2 emissions globally, CO2 increase in the atmosphere, which is measured and observed, that's easy, and also the fate of CO2 when it leaves the atmosphere, so when it goes back into the ocean or back into the land. And then we'll present the whole story, which is, I mean, the fate of the CO2 emissions, the amount of CO2 emissions, I mean, how they change from year to year, which are the big countries that are driving the increase in CO2 emissions globally, and, and, and so on
0: and what is the news on the state we're in
1: there is no reduction in co2 emissions it looks like 2023 will be higher than 2022 so co2 emissions have been increasing every year except during the global financial crisis and except during the covid in 2020 otherwise it's been increasing and then world leaders have been saying okay we need to decarbonize we need to reduce emissions we look at the numbers, it's not happening yet.
0: So if we had a, another financial crisis, we could save the world.
1: If you look at the last one in 2007, the reduction in global CO2 emissions because of the financial crisis were about 1% or 2% in that year. And then, of course, the global economy recovered and the emissions went back up again. If you look at COVID-19, 5% decline in emissions. What we need to see to reach net zero in 2050 is something like 5-7% every single year. We need something like two financial crises or one COVID every single year between now and 2050.
0: Or else people could get their act
1: together. Or they could get their act together and stop investing in new fossil fuel, I mean, extraction and deploy massively faster than they do renewable, reduce consumptions, I mean, being more efficient, insulation of houses, public transport. There's many, many, many sectors i mean to tackle. And, but for most of these sectors, we've got ideas, we've got solutions. We need to implement them. What's your own background personally? I'm an engineer. Actually, I'm a mining engineer, which is my background when I was at uni in Belgium, in Brussels. And so I did a mining degree. And then I went into more like geology, environmental science, global carbon budget, and here I am.
0: My father was a coal miner and had a degree in mining engineering. And he went to warn the owners of the Welsh Rhondda Valley mines what was going to happen if they didn't improve safety and they sacked him. (laughs) straightforward, wasn't it? But what would you like to see personally yourself with your experience in the field?
1: So I would like to see government to be much more consistent in their policies, to give much more security to all sectors and at the moment I don't see that I see government going back and forth depending on external events or forcing or whatever.
0: Most governments or just the one here?
1: They are. They're not extremely ambitious because they feel like people don't want to but I'm not sure it's the case. I'm sure people are much more ready for change than the politicians believe they are.
0: So the public should give them a kick up the bum, do you think?
1: Yes, they should. (laughs) I mean, ultimately, I mean, we have to vote for the people that are putting this as a top priority, and sometimes it's not the case.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Dr. Pierre Friedlingstein, FRS, providing the numbers used by COP,